0: can do, but that's what we'll do. Okay, so again, just to, you know, sort of continue off from what my wife mentioned, a, a big thank you to Shalom and his wife, or you know, Shalom Morbech and his wife for opening their home. It's really, uh, you know, you guys are special guys. You're, you're special people. You're really special he people, and special. he is special. <laughs> How are you? But had, you know, and, and Hashem should just continue to bless you with continue nachas and continue semcha, kifla kiflaim, doubled and tripled over from what you already have, and She'll only be able to see simcha and joy and bring more Torah and more avoda and more yidin into the home. And she'll only be a source of blessing for you and the whole kihila. Okay, so, so the month that we're in is the month of Kislev. It's the month of Kislev. You know, when a, in the times of Chumash, from the Torah, there are no specific names for the months. There are no names for the months. There's month number one, month number two, month number three, they're just named with, with numbers. The idea of having names for the months, that's something that came after, you know, relatively later on in Jewish history, after the destruction of the first temple, when the Jewish people were exiled into Babylonia and we returned to Israel to rebuild the second temple, that's when we came up with the idea of having names for the months. And so the months, the names of the months, although they're not from Chomish themselves, but if the Jewish people collectively, you know, uh, with divine providence gave these names to the months, and clearly the names of the months are significant. It's very significant. And through studying the name of the month, one should be able to sort of gleam and to get a deeper understanding of what the Avaidah, what's the general uh, service of that month, what's, in what way during that particular month are we supposed to relate to Hashem. And so this month that we're in is the month of Kislev. It's the month of Hanukkah, month of Kislev. So what does the word Kislev mean? What does the word Kislev mean? We're used to just saying the word Kislev. What does the word mean? So in Tanakh, the word kislev actually means something that you have confidence in. That's the word kislev mean. That's what the word kislev means. So, for example, the pasuk there's, there's, uh, you know, the, the word in Tanakh comes up kislacha. Kislacha means your source of confidence, your source of strength, your source of stability. That's what the word kislev means. So, if that's the name of the month, then clearly the avoda. The way that we're supposed to relate to Hashem in this month, and the part of the soul that we're supposed to unpackage and uncover, is that inyan, that quality that's called kislev, that's called confidence and security and strength and support. In fact, there's a, a tradition we have. I've mentioned this, you know, in these shirim in, in the past. That there's a, there's a tradition that we have that every single month is related to a particular letter of the alphabet, and that's also going to be, you know, a, a good indicator of what the inyan of the month is. And so what is the letter of the month of Kislev? It's the letter of Kislev is the letter Samach. letter Samach. The word Samach means to support. Samach means yeah. that Hashem supports. That's what the word, that's what the letter Samach means. And so the month of Kislev, the word Kislev, the letter of the month, it's all revolving around confidence and support and feeling that you're being backed by someone and by something. That you're not by yourself. That's what the month of Kislev means. And so that's going to be you know, we have to investigate that for the next few minutes. What exactly is, uh, I guess you can say, what exactly is the source of Jewish confidence? Where does our confidence come from? And what exactly, uh, where do, how do we develop that sense of Samach, that sense of support that, uh, that we all need? And that's specifically the Avaidah of this month. Okay, that's number one. Number two, when, when we think of kislev, there's no question about it that, you know, we associate the month with Hanukkah. That's certainly... You know, the, the holiday of, every, of any particular month is not just randomly in that month. It's, 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 the, shining, it's the shining soul of that month is the, the holiday of that, of that particular month. So when it comes to Hanukkah, Hanukkah is a very, very fascinating yontif because, you know, every holiday we have is a commemoration of some miraculous event that took place in our people's history. But generally speaking, the miracles that, that were performed for us, that we celebrate, whether it be Pesach or Sukkot, whatever the yontif is, so those nisim, those those miracles, were for a clear purpose. They're for a clear purpose. So we were stuck in Mitzrayim. So Rabbi Mishalom performs miracles to get us out of Mitzrayim. We're uh, in the wilderness, in the desert, without protection. So Hashem protects us. The Yontiva There's a clear. There's a clear teilus. There's a clear uh, you know need for that miracle, and that miracle comes to, uh, you know, to solve a problem. Uh, the question that's, that's well-known when it comes to Hanukkah is that the miracle of Hanukkah that we mostly associate with the Yomath of Hanukkah didn't really come to solve any need. It wasn't really, uh, you know, what, what happened at Hanukkah, as we know. So the Jewish people defeat the Greeks. They militarily, they, uh, they fight for their freedom and so on. And they overthrow the Greek uh, sovereignty over the land. And they come into the temple. And as we know, everything is ransacked and all the oils are contaminated until miraculously they find a little jar of oil and they light the jar of oil for one, and it should only last one day, as we know, and miraculously lasted eight days. Okay, that's the miracle. That's the miracle of Hanukkah. The obvious question is, that whole miracle was completely unnecessary. It's unnecessary. As we know that according to halacha, if need be, you could use contaminated oils to light the menorah. So, so the whole miracle of finding a pure jar and it only being for one day and miraculously extended for eight days, the whole thing was unnecessary. The whole thing is unnecessary. We didn't need this to begin with. If you don't find a little jar of oil, <coughs> so use other oils. Even if they're contaminated, it's okay. It's not, it's not such a big deal. But more than that, deeper than that, we know that lighting the menorah of the Beis HaMidish, for example, is one of the mitzvahs. It's a mitzvah. And the very basic, um, the, 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 the basic sort of um, pretext, backdrop, context that mitzvahs are part of is that they're for us to do. That's what mitzvahs are, right? The Rabbanu Shlevim gives us a Torah and he tells us what to do. And these are our responsibilities, our obligations. So we're, we are responsible, we're obligated to uh, light Shabbos candles, to eat kosher, to learn, to daven. These are our mitzvahs. God does his thing. He's responsible to make sure the sun rises and sets. I'm not get, that's his job. And my job is to do mitzvahs. So one of the mitzvahs is to light the menorah. But all of a sudden, when it comes to Hanukkah, like Hashem Yisparach, God is getting involved in our business. Like, our business is to light the menorah. Fine. <coughs> and if we have oil to light, good. Whatever we find accessible, that's what we'll use. But all of a sudden, the miracle of Hanukkah is that the Rabbana Shalom, God sort of encroaches into our space, our territory. All of a sudden, the mitzvah that we have to do, which is our obligation, God the Rabbana Shalom is already getting involved in, and not only providing us with the oil to use, but all of a sudden, that, that oil and the mitzvah that we perform with that oil, which is a mitzvah for one day, miraculously extended for eight days. That's a very, very nice thing, but a little bit like in you know, God, like, stay, stay in your lane. That's, that, mitzvahs are our territory, and they're, they're our obligation. All of a sudden, the Yant of the Chanukah has this strange phenomenon, where you have, first of all, a miracle which seems to be unnecessary. Second of all, not only is it unnecessary, it's, it seems to be, I can't say the words inappropriate, but it's a little bit of like mixing, you know, mixing into uh, the domain of mitzvahs, which should be our territory. So the whole miracle of Chanukah needs to, be, needs to be explained. Okay, so in order to answer some of these questions, again, where is the Jewish confidence that's the month of Kislev, and in particular, what is the miracle of Hanukkah how to understand it and, and understand it in the context of the month of Kislev. So let's speak about, for a few minutes, the concept of miracles. Because that's what, again, Chanukah, Kislev, every holiday is a celebration of miracles, but... But Hanukkah, the, the bracha that we say specifically on Hanukkah is Shahsa Nisim that Hashem performs miracles for us. And so of all of all the holidays, the one holiday which is celebrating the very idea of miracles is Hanukkah. So let's 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 understand deeply, again, let's go a little bit deep to understand exactly what 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 are the mechanics and what are the, what are the mechanisms in place for such a phenomenon that's called a miracle. Okay. So the way we're going to investigate this for a few minutes is in the following way. What what In Hebrew, what's the word for miracle? Neis. What does the word neis mean? Well, okay, miracle, right? Not really, not really. In English, we translate it as miracle, but technically speaking, what does the word, the word neis mean? Uh, so banner, the word neis means something high up. Something high up. So in Hebrew, for example, when you wanna, in Hebrew, the word for like a, a pole, a pole with like a flag on top, that's called a neis. Uh, uh, nais harim, the Pusik says. Mountains are described as a nace. So the word nais means, technically speaking, if you want to translate it, the word nace really means something transcendent, something above. Something above, something high. That's the word nace means. Okay, fine. The problem is, is that there's another, I guess you can say, translation or definition of the word nace, which I can't say it's not a it's not a, the opposite of transcendent and high. But it's definitely a different idea. And so we have to figure out this other definition. The other definition of the word Nais is the following thing. How do you spell the word Like okay, I don't have a blackboard, but, uh, or a white smartboard, whatever, you know, nowadays. So the word, how do you spell Nais? is non samach. Right? Nais, non samach. Easy letter, easy word. The Gemara and Shabbos tells us as follows the Gemara Shabbos tells us what each letter means and its relationship to the next letter. In the Hebrew alphabet, so, nun. Is followed by Samach. They're right next to each other. Says the Gemara in Shabbos, the following thing: the word Nun is is means it's 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 a metaphor, and it's a, it's connected to the following idea, which is nephila, falling, falling. It says in Pesach, The Jewish people are described, God forbid, at a difficult time, as as a person that falls, person that falls, where the feet collapse, the feet are not strong. And says the Gemara, so the word, the letter Nun, which means falling, is followed immediately by the letter Samach. What does the word Samach mean? Support. Soymech Hashem, the that Hashem supports all those that have fallen. So the word nas, Nun, Samach, the translation of it based on the letters means Hashem supporting someone that has fallen. That's the word Nes would mean, according to the letters. In other words... The, the, the concept of Hashem Hashem supporting those that fall means a person falls, God forbid, is because the feet are not strong. There's some, there's some, uh, the base, the foundation is is rickety, is not so strong. So God forbid there could be in a field, there could be a falling. So Hashem swoops in, Hashem Hashem supports those that fall like a, like a safety net, holding you up. So in other words, the definition of the word nais on the one hand means high, transcendent, a high place—that's the word nas. On the other hand, the word nas in relation to the letters nun samach, means foundation, support, something—a good, a good safety net, a good, a good uh, strong legs underneath you. So this is a, an interesting dynamic that the word nas again, has these two connotations to them. The one that it means something very, very high. On the other hand, it means having strong feet and a strong foundation under you. So that's a little bit funny. How do we put these two things together? Okay. Okay, so let me, let me explain for a few minutes the idea, and then we'll see where it comes from. We'll see where it takes us, and we'll see some practicality that comes with it. And I'll, and I'll tell you a good story at the end, okay, so don't worry about that. You always have to have a good story. So it's like this. God made the world in such a way where, you know, he, he, God did stuff that we can't do, right? He created a universe. Oceans, mountains, deserts, amazing things. But as the pasuk says in creation, baru l-kim, says, the Rabbani Shalom made the world. And ever since that point of creation, the Rabbani Shalom steps aside to some degree and says, okay, listen, I did my part. Like I said with mitzvahs, right? I did my part. Now you got to do your part. And so there's this idea that's called b'chira, that's called free will, that's called choice, that's called... The rules of nature, the ba- one of the basic rules of nature is cause and effect. Cause and effect means that if I take a ball and I throw the ball up, that was a choice that I made and there's going to be an effect. And The effect is the ball is going to come down. So there is a system in place which is called free will choice. There's a system in place which is called nature. Rules and regulations. And part of the system of rules and regulations physically is I throw a ball up, the ball comes down. And there's also a system of nature, even spiritual nature. And spiritual nature also has its rules and regulations of cause and effect. Meaning, I do a good deed, it brings me closer to God. I do a negative deed, it brings me farther away from God. I do good things, it brings me closer to my my destination, to my ultimate purpose in life. I do negative things, it pulls me farther away from that ultimate purpose of my existence. So these these are the rules of nature. God created in the beginning, you know, obviously when, when God created the world, there were, there were no set rules. So it was all just whatever he wanted. But once he creates the universe, now he establishes rules and regulations of reality. And the rules and regulations of reality, both physically and spiritually, are what govern our lives. So again, if I, if I throw a ball up, the rules of nature dictate it's going to come down. And if I do a mitzvah, the rules of nature, so to speak, Spiritual nature dictate I'm going to come closer to Hashem and if I do a negative act rules of nature spiritual nature dictate I'm going to be moving farther away from Hashem and farther away from the person. I'm supposed to become these are the rules of nature and so what we have is sort of this interesting dynamic because Hashem created each and every one of us and clearly when Hashem created us and sent our souls down to the world it was because God had a certain plan and a certain vision of who, what types of people he wants us to become. So, you know, it's not just a random thing that we're born and God's like, okay, now I have to deal with this new person now. No, no. Everything is, you know, God made us for a reason, purposeful and with, uh, with intent and with a mission. And so, let's say, for example, God is, is, is forming your soul. However he does that, he makes a soul in heaven. He's not just taking a soul and saying, you know what? Go to the world, what who are you supposed to be? What's your name? What's your identity? What's your purpose? you'll figure it out. No. God has a certain vision, He has a certain plan, He knows the type of person that He wants you to be. And God, so to speak, the Gemara talks about this, even that God prays. Who does he pray? He prays to Himself, but there's a certain there's a certain idea. Hashem describes the temple as his house of prayer. Kibesi based fila, that my house is a house of prayer. That the Rabbanish prays and hopes that his That his uh, vision of who he wants us to be will be fulfilled. So we have this funny dynamic. God creates us, sends us to this world with a certain vision of who he wants us to be. But at the same time when he sends us to the world, he gives us the reins of our lives and we're in charge. We make choices and we're governed by the cause and effect of those choices. So Hashem wants us to, let's say, for example, to become a holy tzaddikah, a holy, devout Jew, someone that's connected to God. And in order to get to that, and that's the destination, that's what God wants of us. But in order to get to that destination, you have to make certain choices in life. But Hashem doesn't seem to be getting involved in those choices. Those choices are up to us. So it's sort of as if Hashem is like, you know, throwing the dice and sort of hoping that this plan called the creation of the universe and the creation of your particular soul I hope it works out. I hope it works out as planned, because my plan is, says God, that you should end up in a certain place in a certain way. Uh, at the end of the day, you do your thing, and uh, we hope it works out. Listen, it's it's one thing to say that, to say that as people, but to believe that that's how God runs the world, is disturbing. Is disturbing that God is creating the whole creation, the universe, the whole creation of every single one of us is just a matter of uh, of Hashem's like hoping. Oh, I hope this works out. So there is a phenomenon that's called a miracle. What's a nase? What's a ace? You know, Chazal tells us in the Medrash that when Hashem created the world, every part of creation that eventually would have a miraculous experience done to it was told from the beginning, by the way, you should know there's gonna be a miracle that's gonna come through you. So for example, when Hashem created the Yamsaf, right? So eventually that Yamsuf by Pesach time splits. That's the story of Yitzhi Mitzrayim. So Chazal said that when Hashem originally created the Yamsuf, he told the, the, the Red Sea, by the way, you should know that down the line, at some point, I'm going to make you split. And that was true with the Red Sea. That was true with every single thing that, ever, that a miracle ever happened to, when it was created, it was told in advance, by the way, a miracle is going to happen. Why can't you just surprise the, the Red Sea? Why, why can't it just be a surprise? Why do you have to like ruin the ruin the surprise? We have to tell, why do you have to tell the Red Sea from the beginning? So here's the idea. The idea is that it's true. We believe in free will. We believe in cause and effect. There's cause and effect in physical nature. Throw the ball up, it'll come down. And there's cause and effect in spiritual nature. You do a good deed, you're getting closer to be the person you're supposed to become. You do something negative, you're going farther away. But but, that system that's called nature, that's called cause and effect, that's called free will, does not have its own foundation. It does not have its own foundation. The foundation that even nature is rooted on and, and being supported by, is God's ultimate plan. Which means that we have free range, you can do whatever you want. You could go left, you could go right. And you'll deal with the consequences of going left and going right. But at the end of the day, you should know whatever plan God had for you, it's going to happen. It's going to work out. So it's like you're in a swimming pool, free range, <laughs> within the limitations of the swimming pool. You know, you want to, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, let's say you have, know, I'm trying to think of a, of a it's like a silly Marshall. I don't know. But Let's say you have like a, like a, like a huge track. So let's say you have a person that's like um, that's running, like doing you know running uh, circles on a track or something. But the whole track is on this huge <coughs> truck that's being moved somewhere. So you could you could go you can move wherever you want. You can make all the choices that you want. But ultimately, whatever God's plan was for you when He formulated your soul, and the particular situations of of, of your ultimate destiny of what God wants of you in this world, and, and how you are bringing the world that much closer to its ultimate perfection, that is your destiny. And that is going to happen by hook or by crook, whether you like it or not, whatever choices that you make. Our choices can make that path quicker. It can make it smoother. It can make it you know, m- more straight. Or it could be crooked, and it could be roundabout. But either way, either way, whatever turn you make, the the, the divine, you know, ways is governing everything and not only telling you how to redirect, it's, it's manipulating the ground under you to make sure eventually you get to that destination. In other words, instead of thinking of that we have these two systems that act independently, there's one system which is what God envisioned who he wants you to be, and then you have another system which is your free range, your, your life, the rules of cause and effect, you make a good choice, and then it's good. You make a negative choice, a negative, cho- uh, negative, uh, negative effect. These are two systems, and God stays in his lane, and we stay in our lane. And hopefully, hopefully, it should work out that at the end, the two, uh, you know, our choices merge with God's choices. Hopefully. That's incorrect. That's incorrect. The truth is that the system of cause and effect, the system within which our free range is... is uh, you know, is, is, is possible, does not have its own independent support. It doesn't have its own foundation. Its foundation is itself the vision that God had for us, which means that, that that vision that Hashem had for each and every one of us, that is the destination, that is the foundation of all of reality. On top of that, God in His kindness has given us the opportunity to sort of navigate the path towards that place to give us the, the, not just the, the, not just the sense, but that, that it should be our accomplishment to get to the destination, because it's up to us how we get to the destination. But getting there, it's gonna happen anyway. This is what it means when a miracle takes place. What's a miracle? A miracle is God, like our world is like going crazy. The choices that we've made have brought us to a dead end or some difficult place, some obstacle that's it's not working. If there would be two separate, two separate systems, God had a plan for us, but at the end of the day, Hashem, God says, okay, but now it's up to you. Okay, so we hit a dead end. Okay, I tell you? Comes the concept of miracles, and Hashem says, one second, the moment of a miracle, Hashem reveals to us that the entire system that you have been functioning with, which is a system of free will and choice and cause and effect, and that's all amazing, and it's gavaldik. And you should be proud of the good choices that you've made, and you should, you know, try to fix the negative choices that you made. But don't think for a second that if you hit a dead end, it's game over. There's no such thing, because a miracle is a phenomenon which is an indicator that that general idea, that general plan, that vision that God had when He first formulated your soul is not. He's not playing dice with your life. It's not a hope. It's not a dream. That is what is. God, that is the ground under your feet. You you are being led to that place. And this is why Chazal, that's what a miracle is, where Hashem moves out of his, you know, goes from his lane into our lane. When that happens, that's an indicator that there was never such a divide between the lanes. Because the very very reality of free will and the choices that we've made, which brought us to that seemingly dead end, that is also part of the divine plan to get us to our ultimate destination. And so when a miracle takes place and Hashem sort of swoops in and saves the day and shows how, by the way, in that dead end there's actually... doorway that that's that's a moment of of clarity that the very process and the very system that we were that led us at that end which was our choices was itself being governed by God this is the depth of what it means when Chazal say that when Hashem originally created the Red Sea he told it in advance by the way you're gonna split at some point so I said why, why does God have to you know why does he have to tell the Red Sea that let it be a surprise when it happens The answer is, the moment that God creates the Red Sea, it means that he's establishing the nature of the Red Sea. The cause and effect, the system of nature of the Red Sea. And the system of the Red Sea, of nature, is part of that that lane that's called free will, that's called cause and effect, that's called nature. But from the very beginning, God is establishing that you should know the rules of nature don't have its own foundation. The foundation of nature is itself God's vision of the future whatever God planned of the future and the ultimate perfect state of every single one of us individually and collectively, that is the foundation of everything. And everything is being governed by that and being guided by that eventuality. And so God doesn't just create the Red Sea with its rules of nature. God creates the Red Sea with the rules of nature and letting you know that, by the way, if need be, those rules will be manipulated because the rules that govern the Red Sea, for example, don't have their own foundation. It says in Pasig, we say this all the time during the times of Rashaniam Kippur, Yom Eretz al ma that Hashem created the universe and it's founded on what's the foundation? nothing. Nothingness. That's scary. So what does that mean? It's not, there's no foundation. The answer is the foundation of nature, of reality, of the world of choice, the world of cause and effect that we live with that foundation is itself something transcendent. The vision of God, when he, when he envisioned the world before it was created, that's the foundation. That's the foundation. So God didn't just have a vision and then like, okay, we'll, we'll hope it works. No, no, no. That vision was itself a foundation of reality. This explains the two meanings of the word nase. if you remember. We're going to sum it all up very quickly now. <coughs> the term, the word nase. what does the word nase mean? So on one hand, the word nase meant transcendent. On the other hand, the word neis meant to have a good foundation. That Hashem supports th- that which can fall. Something that falls means that the, the feet, the foundation, are not so strong. So So the word nace means transcendent, that which is way above. And it also means to have a good foundation. So what's the connection between those two definitions? The answer is, this is what a nace means. What a nace means is, a nace is not just a moment where something crazy took, took place, and wow, that's a special effects. A nace, these are moments in time which are indicators that nature itself and the, the the construct, the system of free choice and cause and effect, which we which which to us seems to be the most the, the strongest system in place, that itself has a, separ- a ha- doesn't not have its own foundation. What's its foundation? that which is completely transcendent. The vision of God that he had before creation itself, before he even began the program, before he even created the universe, when he had a vision and he dreamed about what the universe would look like, that transcendent vision, when God, so to speak, you know, not literally, but when he closes his eyes and dreamt of what a universe would look like, that was not just a dream. That was the foundation of reality itself. And that's what Ines reveals to us. Ines reveals to us that everything that in life that is our choices, and we have responsibilities and cause and effect and all that should not at all take away from our confidence in knowing that whatever plan God had for us from the very beginning is going to be fulfilled. And this is where Jewish confidence comes from. As I said, the month of Kislev, the word Kislev means confidence. Where does confidence come from? Jewish confidence comes from this realization that whatever, whatever choices a person makes and whatever overwhelming sense of responsibility you have because of those choices mm-hmm. you should have confidence to make the right choice you know why because whatever choice you make you should know at the end of the day whatever god's plan was is going to work out you know sometimes when a person has has a choice and they feel so you know overwhelmed by the the outcome of that choice it's it, sometimes it's so overwhelming you just want to you don't want to get out of bed because like you know to go left or to go right you know if i go right then then my life is amazing. If I go left and everything is terrible and I fall off the abyss, I'd rather not make them I'd rather not get involved with a choice. So the, the ability to have the confidence even to embrace life, to embrace life comes from knowing that whatever choices I make, ultimately the vision that God had for me will work out. It'll go this way, it'll go that way, it'll be direct, it'll take longer, it'll be shorter. But the lachats, the pressure of the responsibility of ensuring that, that, that your destiny is fulfilled, that should be taken off your shoulders. Because whatever it is, it's going to work out. And now you could, with that weight a little bit relieved off your shoulder, now you can make the right choice. And hopefully, and if it's the wrong choice, okay. So it'll also work out. It'll work out. This is where the confidence comes from. That's what a miracle is. So again, a miracle is God coming into our lane, and manipulating the situation to give us that sort of, instead of a dead end, he opens up a door on the side. But that's not God interfering with us. That's an indicator that there was never such a thing as two lanes. There was never such a thing as two lanes. All there was was God's ultimate vision for us, and that was the foundation, and that is still the foundation of our lives, guiding us to that ultimate destiny, with, at the same time, again, we have the choices to make that path smooth, make that path a little bit rockier, making it shorter, making it longer. But ultimately, that's where it comes from. <clears throat> this, is, this is what the word kiss means. This is the month of Hanukkah. This is why the miracle of Hanukkah, as I said, is a miracle that's unique. It's a miracle. It wasn't coming to save the day. The whole essence of that miracle was God coming and helping us doing our job in mitzvahs. Right? Mitzvahs is what? Mitzvahs means our lane. That's our responsibility, what we have to do. And what is what is the month of Hanukkah? Hashem coming into our domain and giving us the jar of oil, allowing the mitzvah to be extended over eight days. Like and the question we asked in the beginning was, one second, God, you stay in your lane, I'll stay in my lane. The answer is, the whole Indian of Hanukkah, the whole Indian of Kislev, is to reveal that there are no these two lanes. That even our domain, our, our strength, our ability to, to govern our lives and to make the right choices in our lives and to do mitzvahs was, it is itself founded on a foundation of God's ultimate vision for us. And so that ultimate vision, which is transcendent, which is high, that is governing, that is the foundation beneath, beneath our own feet. And this is exactly why, historically speaking, the Yantav of Hanukkah comes when it, when it does. Because as is well known, Hanukkah is, a, is, is the last of the holidays, right? Historically speaking. And what makes Hanukkah so unique is that during the times of the first temple, that's when miracles were very common, very common. And so we have holidays that are commemorating events during that time period, but, but generally speaking, miracles were pretty commonplace in the temple. All of a sudden, the second temple period and on to this day, miracles are very, very rare. That, that, and, and, and that's a crossroads in history. Everything until the second temple, it was pretty much God's lane. Prophecy, miracles, crazy stuff, that's God's lane. All of a sudden, the second temple to this day, that's our lane. Now it's science and technology and thinking and even religiously, Tarsh the Oral Torah, it's about us embracing our choices, our accomplishments, the universe of cause and effect. And so comes the Yant of Hanukkah and says, by the way, you should just know, in the middle of our lane, comes Hanukkah and says, don't, don't think that my lane is separate. What's, what's the foundation of all of our choices, the foundations of, of all of reality is God's ultimate vision for us. And that's exactly what Hanukkah celebrates. So the month of Hanukkah, the month of Kislev, what's yeah. the avoda? The avoda is to feel to lighten the load of that responsibility that sometimes weighs us down. Of what happens if I make the wrong choice of where I send my kids? What happens if I make the wrong choice of uh, you know uh, you know where they go to camp because that's what people are thinking about all of a sudden. And uh, you know and, and, and what what about the wrong choice in terms of like you know what my husband does for a living or what I do for a living? all these things, and the feeling of what if it's the wrong thing, like everything will be ruined and maybe my entire purpose in life will go off course. Hanukkah says, don't worry so much, don't worry so much, because at the end of the day, it's true, you have to make the right choices, etc., 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 but don't think for a second that the plan that God had for you when he first envisioned your soul in heaven, in that transcendent place, don't think for a second that he's playing the dice hoping that works out, that is the foundation underneath your feet. And you are going to become the person you're supposed to become. And knowing that then allows you to make the choice. And you go in a normal way to make the right choices to the best of your ability. And you and you drive in your lane knowing that that my lane is not separate from God's lane. My, my, my foundation is itself God's foundation. His vision of who I am is the foundation beneath my feet. That's where Jewish confidence comes from. Okay, so I'll tell you a story. So... Um, it's a little bit of a funny one. Okay, it's like this. <coughs> in, the, in, the, in the 70s, it's a story that happened in the early 70s. There was a, um, a Yid, there was a Jew, he was a Lubavitcher chassid. he was living in Israel. Okay? I think, if I remember correctly, I think maybe he was a Rebbe there, or a Rav, some, uh, something like that. And anyway, he has his family there. And so he came to America for an extended period of time, for a few months or so, I don't know if it was for business or, or, or family or whatever the thing was. He came to America for a few months. Okay, so he's here. <coughs> One Monday morning, he gets a letter from his family in Israel. Now, in those days, especially from Israel to America, it wasn't easy to make a call, you know, and even letters. It was not, uh, it was no emails. It was, uh, it took a long time. So the mail was written, the letter was written like a few weeks ago, and it only got to him now. So Monday morning, he gets the letter in the mail, And he sees the date that was like from three weeks ago. And the letter basically says that uh, it was from his brother. And his brother is telling him, you know, we want to just inform you that our father, uh, he got sick. And uh, it's not looking good. So we just wanted to let you know. So he sees this. This is three weeks ago. So he's a little bit uh, nervous about, you know, what what, what happened. Maybe, God forbid, maybe his father already, you know, took it. You know, who knows what happened. (coughs) So he's... um, like I said, the Lubavitcher Chassid, so this is Monday morning. So that Monday afternoon, he writes a letter to Lubavitcher Rabbi. He wasn't in New York at the time, he was in America, but he, 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 read, he wrote a letter to Lubavitcher Rabbi. And in the letter, he explained what the, you know the content of the letter that he received from Israel. And at the end of the letter, he says that because I received this three weeks ago, I simply don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. In other words, I'm afraid. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, Lo Maybe uh, my father already, uh, you know, is no longer with us. Who knows? So I don't know what to think. That's how we end the letter. I don't know what to think. This was Monday afternoon, Thursday evening. He gets a letter back from Lav Shred, and the letter is his letter. And those last few words, I don't know what to think. The Rebbe underlined twice, and wrote three exclamation marks afterwards. And he wrote the following words: "I'm shocked." That a chassid, like you, would have such a, a, a philosophy of, I don't know what to think. Don't you know, this is what the Rebbe writes, don't you know that all of the Rebbes of Chabad have said over and over and over again, trach gut, gut, Think positively, and it will be good. Think good, and it will be good. You don't know what to think. Think good, and it will be good. So fine, that's the letter. Now, as a, as a chassid, so he reads that letter. To him, this is now a promise from the Rebbe that his father says, fine. Like that, that's, you know, that to him, that's, that's the promise. So fine, so now he has the, until now, he didn't even reach, reach out to Israel because he was so nervous about the, the bad news that he was sure he would hear, he didn't even want to hear. But now that he receives this letter from the Rebbe, he has more confidence, so he actually goes to, to the phone and, and pays whatever, you know, those days it costed to, to make a, a call to Eretz Yisrael. So he calls his family over there, the phone rings, so they pick up the phone. Hi, uncle. Yeah, I'm here. I'm calling to find out how uh, how Tati doing. How uh, how Abba's doing. How's the father doing? So they tell him this is this is this is Thursday. This late Thursday night, or in Israel it's already early Friday morning. So he calls that. So they tell him. Oh, by the way, you should know, is uh, a miracle. He he took a turn for the best, and it was looking really really bad. The doctors really pretty much gave up hope, but just recently he started. He started you know, turning around and, and recovering, and the doctors are pretty confident that it's gonna be okay. So he's like, okay, Baruch Hashem. And so he says to his brother, when did daddy begin to get better? So they said, it was uh, last night, last night, Thursday evening. Okay, so he's fine, okay, so he hangs up the phone. That morning in America, Thursday, uh, Friday morning, he, tr- he travels to Crown Heights at 770. He wants to give the Rebbe the good news that his father's feeling better. So the Rebbe was, this is the Friday afternoon already, the Rebbe is on his way to 770 to get ready for Shabbos or whatever. So this Chassid is standing outside the door, you know, waiting to meet the Rebbe as he's walking in. So the Rebbe is walking up the, the sidewalk to 770 and he sees this Chassid standing there. And the Rebbe, without even asking or, or, you know, investigating, the Rebbe looks at him and says, No, how's the tata? How's your father doing? So the Chassid says, Rebbe, baruch Hashem, my father's doing a lot better. And the Rebbe says, and when did he begin to get better? So the says, Thursday night. And the Rebbe says, and when did you receive my letter? So he said, Thursday night. And the Rebbe says, and when did you begin to think positively? Thursday night. And so the rabbi said, you think I saved your father's life? You saved your father's life. And so the Rebbe went into the other that. That's where Jewish confidence comes from. Whatever happens, left, right, God has a plan. It's going to work out for the best. We just have to have the confidence of knowing that, and realizing that that is the foundation beneath our feet. And the more positive we could think, the more, the more, the more, the more faithful we can be in that ultimate foundation, guiding every single one of us in division collectively. The more we'll be able to have that that smooth ride towards our destination. Hashem shall bless each and every one of us with. Uh, a, a month of confidence, a month of bracha, shefa, on all levels. And again, once again, thank you, the Orvos for opening the home. And again, I should just bless you with continued nachas and simcha. Di.